Hey guys, you are now listening to the Mayor Not the House podcast. So today, and probably next week, um, we're going to talk about Israel. Um, it makes absolute zero sense for the church to not talk about what's going on right now. Um, and I really, I've always, uh, I, I've always enjoyed World War II history. Um, and one of the things that allowed the Holocaust to happen was the silent pulpits in Germany. Um, and so we as a church are going to talk about this and we're going to have discussion um, and we're not going to remain silent. Um, so today, my, my goal with today, I've got a bunch of things. I could probably sit to you guys and talk about Israel for three, four hours. Obviously, I'm not going to do that today. I'm going to try to keep it to an hour. Um, maybe even less, but, um, maybe, um, I want to get across to you, number one, God's commitment to Israel, but number two, what the Christian response is to Israel slash Israel's conflicts, things that are going on in Israel. Why should we care? Why does it matter? You know? Is God done with Israel? Is he still working with Israel? Like, what, what, what's going on here? So that's what we're going to talk about. Um, so let's just pray again before I get into it, and we'll start rolling. So, Father, we just thank you for today. Um, I just thank you for Israel, that, um, God, you chose them, a peculiar people, um, and chose to be their, their God, and... Um, through Israel, your plan was to bless the entire world, then all the nations of the earth. And so we thank you that uh, your plan still stands for Israel um, as well as for us. And I just pray today that you would show us why this matters for us as, as Christians, as Gentile believers, um, that you would just bring some revelation, that you would allow us to see another side of your face today. So um, we just bless you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right. So, uh, I thought it'd be nice to go through a brief overview of some key moments in Jewish history. Y'all ready for this? So, first off, you know, we can go back to the book of the book of Exodus, where the Jews were carried off into slavery. They served. They were in um, Egypt for over four hundred years as slaves, this nation of people. The nation started with Abraham. Abraham, uh, talked about this a few weeks ago, but God chose Abraham, a man from Ur of Chaldea, which when you look at the geography of the time, Ur uh, was basically part of Babylon. So it's really interesting when you think about, well, where did, where did the Hebrews start? Was Adam? Adam wasn't Jewish. You know, no, God took a person out of uh, Babylon, which many consider, you go through the Bible, Babylon is this like place of evil, you know, took this man out of Babylon and said, I'm going to make a, a mighty nation out of you. 
and through you, the nations of the world will be blessed. Um, Abram, Abram, at the time, he was married to Sarai, and she uh, was, um, was she 90 or 100? I can't remember. I always get that mixed up. One of them was 90. One of them was 100. Um, Abraham was older. Yeah. Okay, so Sarah was 90. Well, at the time they were called up? It might have been, it might have been a different age. Something, um, I'm fast forwarding. This oh, is an okay. overview, so I'm not going to get everything oh, okay, okay. straight up right. But yeah, when she, God Abraham promised that he was, yes, okay. So Abraham, God made a promise that he was going to give them an offspring, and uh, they laughed. There's a hilarious story, <laughs> the Oats of Mamre, where the angel of the Lord shows up to uh, Abraham's house, Abraham's house uh, with two other angels, and um, Abraham's like, oh, we got to invite you guys in, and honey, whip up some cakes for these guys. We got to welcome these guys, and so they come on in, they sit down at this table, and Sarah's in the back, and the angel of the Lord tells Abraham, God is going to make him into a mighty nation, and he's going to bring an offspring from Sarah's womb. And Sarah, from the kitchen, laughs. And the angel of the Lord looks at Sarah and goes, why did you laugh? She goes, I did not laugh. And he goes, but you did. And then the story just ends, and it goes to the next story. I think it's hilarious. Um, anyway, we know that Sarah ends up having a son. It's Isaac. Um, and so uh, that's where the, the nation of Israel is born. Um, so the Jews get enslaved. They go to uh, Egypt. God prophesied this in his covenant to Abraham uh, when he walked down the aisle of the, the birds that were ripped in half and uh, basically said, like, if God would, God took the covenant on himself. He said, if, if I don't do this for you, Abraham, then let me be like the birds on either side of here. Let me be torn apart. So it's basically a blood covenant saying, if I don't fulfill my portion of the covenant, kill me. That's nuts. That's, that's what God took on. So we got to keep that in mind as we think about the Jewish people. Um, so he, he did prophesy that they were going to go into slavery, into another nation, but that God was going to deliver them. And so obviously he does. He takes them out to Mount Sinai. Later on, the Jews reestablish their nation. They have... Uh, judges that rule the, the area and then they get overwhelmed and overtaken by the Babylonians. Um, the Babylonians, uh, Nebuchadnezzar was the leader at the time um, and they destroyed the first temple. Um, and so the, all the Jews basically were either slaughtered or the, the like young and handsome men, young men were brought into Babylonian culture to be assimilated into the culture, meaning that they'd become good Babylonians. Um, there's this, this theme throughout all of Jewish history. God always keeps a remnant. And it's so funny just how God works because the country that overwhelms Israel always takes the best of those, the Israelis, the Jewish people. And I just think it's hilarious because it's like, well, the, the remnant always stays strong because it's always got the best of the best. Um, so anyway, you, you know, we, that's, I just wanted to give a brief overview of that. And then um, hundreds of years later, when Jesus comes on the scene, Jesus prophesies. He, he's a prophet. You know, he's, he's telling everybody, here I am. I'm God in the flesh. Um, and he's reaching his hand out. And it's really interesting that there's a couple stories where Jesus says that 
He is first to go preach to the house of Israel and then to the Gentiles. And he restricts himself at first. His, his mission is to the Gentiles first. Or to the, uh, the, the Jews first. Um, and whenever we see Jesus in the New Testament, we always think, oh yeah, he's, he's a prophet, always bearing good news. But actually, if you read Matthew 24 and 25, Jesus sounds a lot like Isaiah. Prophesies doom over Jerusalem. Um, saying that when the city is surrounded, when the armies encamp around you, he says, flee, get out. He said, because it, it's going to be one of the worst things you've ever seen. Um, that Jesus then gets crucified. Um, when Jesus is crucified, obviously we, we know the story that the Jews wanted him dead. The, the Pharisees of the time, they felt like he was starting an uprising against the Jewish people. And so they... But they couldn't kill him of their own accord. They wanted to do it legally. And so they had to go to the Roman province to get permission to crucify him. And then the Roman governor at the time was uh, Pontius Pilate. And Pontius Pilate's like, well, go talk to Herod. He, he should be the one. And Herod's like, I'm not doing this. You do it. So Pontius Pilate's like, ah, okay. Um, well, how about this? I'll give you either Jesus or Barabbas. And he's like, for sure they're going to take Jesus back because Barabbas is this horrible criminal. The crowd screams for Barabbas, free Barabbas. And now Pontius Pilate's like, well, my hands are clean of this because I gave them an opportunity. Wrong. Um, this is important too because later on in Jewish history, the Jews get blamed for the death of Jesus. That it was the Jews who crucified Jesus. But they don't remember the fact that it was the Gentiles, the Romans, that drove the nails through his hands. We all had a part in it. All of our hands are covered in blood. So there is, the blame is on all of us. You know, we talk about this with salvation when we come to Jesus. We all have sinned. Not just Jews, not just Gentiles. All of us have sinned. Um, so anyway, Jesus gets crucified. Um, and 40 years later, in about 70 A.D., is when the Romans attacked Jerusalem. And so the Jews had this, this base of area where they were a, a country, a people. Uh, but the Romans encamped around the, uh, the city and laid siege to the city. And actually, uh, there's a guy named Josephus who wrote a lot about church history back in that time. He's like their, their reporter. Um, really interesting read. I was reading some of it this past week. Um, it was horrendous what happened in 70 AD. The city was uh, laid siege to. They couldn't get food into the area. Um, so people were dying of starvation all over the place. Um, there's even a story of a, spe a specific woman who was, uh, had a, an infant son at the time, was nursing this infant son, and she was dying. They, everybody was dying of starvation. And she looked at her son and said, basically, like, this is a horrible world for you to be a part of. Like, this is terrible. And, like, you're not going to survive this. So, come and be my food, basically. And she put him on a roast, and she uh, cooked half of the kid, ate half, and then uh, the, the people in the area smelt the burning, smelt the smell, and came running to say, what, what is this? What's going on? She was like, here, I have, you, if you guys want any, you can have the other half. And they, all the people were just blown away. Like, But this is, this is the, the reality 
of what the Jewish people have had to go through. You know, that's just one story, right? And this is in 70 AD. Um, terrible, terrible. Um, I'm trying to go back. This was all prophesied back in Deuteronomy, the 70 AD thing. Uh, it was prophesied in all kinds of places. But Deuteronomy 28, um, verses 45 through 57, specifically talk about how the Jews, because of their disobedience and their unwillingness to serve God, that they were going to be laid siege by another nation that they did not know at the time, which obviously Rome wasn't a part of the world at that point in time. Um, and it specifically says that mothers will turn against their children because they have nothing to eat. I mean, it, it's crazy how specific the Bible gets. Um, so the Jews then get dispersed throughout the nations. Hi, Papa. The Jews get dispersed at this point from the nations. They can no longer stay in Jerusalem. Actually, a really interesting story uh, on a positive note is that 25% of the Jewish population in the time of 70 AD was Christian, Messianic Jews. And they took heed to Jesus' words, the, the flee the city when you see the armies encamping. So you know what they did? They fleed. And they all got away safely. Not one of them was touched. Nuts. Nuts. <laughs> um, so then a after the 70 AD experience, um, the Christianity obviously spread throughout the ends of the earth. Christianity was like a huge religion. 300 uh, AD, Constantine names Christianity as the, the national religion, the only recognized religion for the nation, which some people think is good, others it's not great. I'm kind of on the not great side. Um, what this ended up doing, though, was causing a divide between the Christian and the Jewish people. You got to think about this. Jewish people love their history. They have a very rich culture. So they have a very long memory. And when they think of Christians, they think of the people who follow Jesus. And Jesus prophesied this doom on them. And they don't like Jesus. They're upset with this. And so they a lot of times associate Christians with Jesus, which means that they dislike Christians. Um, and this gets even worse once we see the Crusades in the medieval times. I don't know about y'all. I, I learned like nothing about the Crusades growing up. <laughs> and so, um, <coughs> excuse me. I uh, did some of my own research. The Crusades uh, was a holy war put on by the Catholic Church at the time. Um, this Middle Eastern area where Israel was, the, the Holy Land, as most people refer to it, had been taken over by Muslims. Um, and so the Catholic Church up in Europe felt the call to go into the area and take back the land for, uh, for Christ. Right? Seems noble. Um, it was not. You know, it, they murdered millions of um, innocent people. I mean, it is one of the bloodiest things in history is the, the Crusades. And um, not only were they attacking the Muslims, who they called infidels, which infidel is uh, Latin for unfaithful. Um, so they, they killed the, the Muslims, but they started to recognize that they had these infidels sitting right around them in Europe called Jews. These people that sentenced Jesus Christ to uh, crucifixion. These people that 
you know, were, were scorned by God, that, that God hated them. God had no more uh, plan for Israel. That's, that's what, that was their mindset, was that God had no more plans for Israel. And so they started killing Jewish people. And if you've learned anything about Jewish people in history, they tend to be very good at what they do, <laughs> which is really funny. No matter what sphere of uh, influence they have, they tend to be very good with it. A lot of people know the running uh, stereotype about Jewish people being really good with money. You know, really stingy, but really good with money. Jewish people have control of a lot of the banks, and this is why Jews get a lot of bad rap. Today, there's a large portion of people that say that the Jews are behind all the negative things that go on in the world. Bunk. It's bunk. Um, but anyway, so the Crusades, the Crusaders had a cash flow issue, needed funds to fund this war, and the Jews were right there just hanging out and very wealthy, and so they said, you know what? Catholics weren't allowed to uh, lend money and charge interest. They thought that was a sin, and Jews were. So they took, went to the Jews, they killed the Jews, took their money. That's not a sin. Right. <laughs> Charging interest, yes. Crazy. Going and killing people and stealing their things. Absolutely crazy. Um, so this is another, this is like one of the, the more heinous attacks of Christianity on Jewish people. And once again, Jewish people remember long memory, long memory. Um, and I don't blame them. I don't blame them. That was horrible what happened. You fast forward and you get to about the 1400s, 1500s, and we come across a man named Martin Luther. How many of you have heard of Martin Luther? Yeah, we know Martin Luther pretty good. Uh, Martin Luther was a raging anti-Semite. He, uh, well, so at first he wasn't. Early on in his life, he wasn't. He, he felt like the Jews were given a bad, uh, dealt a bad hand because the Catholic Church was teaching them how to uh, become a Christian in their own Catholic way. And Martin Luther's like, they're giving them a false gospel. But if they really heard like the, the gospel of grace, you know, which was Martin Luther's big thing, the 95 Theses, this gospel of grace and freedom from works, surely they're going to hear this and they're going to go, yes, amen. Well, <laughs> it did not happen the way he thought. <laughs> this is a, a stubborn and, uh, uh, what is it called? Roughneck people? What? There's stiff-neck. a phrase. Stiff neck people. That's the phrasing that God used to The Old Testament. They're stiff necked people. Um, and Luther tried to convert many, and they wouldn't convert. And so Luther basically got to a point where he was like, these wicked people deserve nothing but death. Um, he wrote a book called On the Jews and Their Lies, filled with anti-Semitism. And like, not just like the Jews are bad people, but like a call to action. And actually in one of his last sermons he ever preached, um, he uh, encouraged the, the church to burn synagogues, to burn down Jewish schools, to uh, basically, I, I have it, hold on. I've got a picture on my phone that I was reading from this morning. Did they record it? <laughs> it's not on podcast, no. Um, he, he told them to burn down Jewish synagogues and schools and warn people against them. Um, he told Christians to refuse to let Jews own houses among them, among the Christians. He said to take away their Jewish religious writings, to for, forbid rabbis from preaching, 
offer no protection to Jews on the highway. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it was awful what Martin Luther taught. And um, fast forward, you know, a couple hundred more years, and we come to World War II, Nazi Germany, Adolf Hitler. Did you know that Adolf Hitler was a baptized believer? A member of the church. Yes. Yeah. So, so here's here's my question, backing uh-huh. up to, to Luther. Uh-huh. Or Luther, now yep. that like, there's an entire like sect of people that have like, modeled theology after him. Do Lutherans, like, to this day, still believe a lot of that? I'm not sure. I don't think they do. I think a lot of people recognize that Martin Luther was kind of getting nutty closer Off to the end of his that. life. Yeah. Yeah, but I did. They don't teach a lot of that stuff after the Right. right. Uh, I I would have to look into it because I'm not sure if the Lutheran Church still believes that stuff. I'm sure some do, but I I yeah I would not be shocked if the Lutheran Church and many other churches, not just Lutherans, uh, just thought that you know God was done with the Jews, and so they were just as much an unfaithful nation like any of the other nations. You know, so um, bunk bunk. That's my. I got that from Michael Heiser. It's his scholarly word to say that's BS. <laughs> it's bunk. Um, I think it's fun. Um, so anyway, Nazi Germany. Hitler was a baptized believer and a member of the church. Um, Hitler ascribed to Martin Luther's teachings. He literally quoted the sermon that Martin Luther gave, and he went on record to say that he was just continuing the work of the Lord by exterminating the Jewish race. And it is a known fact that a majority of the churches in Germany remain silent on it. And it's just, it's, it's terrible. Um, and like a large majority, I actually was talking about um, this with Butch and Debbie yesterday uh-huh. because they were talking about it at their church as well. Yep. And so their pastor had said that there were about 18,000 churches in Germany at this time. And so of the 18,000, 3,000 rejected right. what Hitler was saying. Another 3,000 accepted it and was like, oh yeah, this is great. Come on. But then the remaining 12,000, like that's the group that didn't do anything. Yeah. They didn't reject it. They didn't accept it, whatever. They were silent. That's an overwhelming majority. Like, that's a lot. Yeah. When you think about Jesus' letter in the book of Revelation to the church of Laodicea of, you know, I'd rather you be hot or cold, Mm -hmm. but because you're lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. And that whole thing of remaining silent on an issue, he will spew you out of his mouth. I was gonna ask, like, is like the the whole like silence is violence thing, is that like a product of like woke culture, or is that something that like that's that to me like just seems like a new phenomenon. I don't know if like what do you mean? What do you mean by that? Like, like the, silence is like violence, essentially like not taking a side like here or there. I like, think that's always been the case. Mm-hmm. It's always been that if you remain silent on uh, injustice, injustice is allowed to remain. Mm-hmm. And as believers, you know, it's not like we have to be the first ones to hop on Facebook and give a hot take. That's what a lot of Christians have found to be their way of fighting injustice is me not being silent is me going on Facebook and posting a status and let them come, you know, let them come and argue with me. Um, 
That is not what it means to not stay silent. Your actions speak louder than your words. And um, there's a lot of people, I mean, let's just let's be really blatant. The BLM rallies in the last couple years when we, we had all that stuff go on. There's a hilarious meme of uh, a scene from Breaking Bad and um, uh, the, guy, the main character is like, wait, wait, wait. This is all about me. And that, I think, is what a lot of people did when they posted about Black Lives Matter because so many of them, you know, I agree. I think they did believe that Black Lives Matter but they're not going to do anything outside of posting something on social media. Right. You know, the majority of them. Now, I'm not saying everybody. I'm not saying that if you posted a status about Black Lives Matter that you were lying or you were full of it. You know, sure. I'm just saying that fighting injustice is much more than posting on social media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it was all about posting on social media, then there was thousands and thousands of years of people that weren't allowed to fight injustice because there was no social media. You know. <laughs> <laughs> That's just plain and simple. Um, back to Nazi Germany. We, we can have lots more conversation, too, at the end. But back to Nazi Germany, there's one pastor. His name is Paul Schneider. He refused to remain silent. And he spoke out against what Germany was doing and what they were doing to the Jewish people. And uh, one night, the Gestapo came in the middle of the night, like they always did, and ripped him from his home. And it was the last time his wife ever saw him. He went, took him straight to a concentration camp. Somehow in the camp, he was able to write letters back to his church. And he wrote letters, and the letters were filled with him talking about the joy of the Lord and the joy of persecution, which is nuts, you know. But he was one that did not remain silent, and he paid the price. He paid the price for being vocal about it. And I think what's really telling for us is... As the church today, what we believe, what we say, what we, how we engage with the stuff going on with Israel says a lot about what we believe. And if we really are believers in God, then we need to stand with Israel and stand against injustice. And that's not to say that we don't stand for the victims in Palestine as well. But we have to see, see this thing with a bird's eye view to see that this is not just a battle between two dumb countries. It's, there's a spiritual battle going on. Um, and if you stand for Israel, this is my warning, you will pay the price. Maybe you won't die, but persecution will come. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. It always does. Um, Is it sort of like the, you've counted the cost, or have you counted the cost? Right. Like, can you afford to stand with them, but can yeah. you afford to stand against, against them? them? Yeah. So, um, in God's original promise to Abraham, the covenant with Abraham, he tells him, I will bless those who bless you, but I will curse those who curse you. And, uh, you know, a lot of people stand on the fact that, well, America, we, we, we stand with Israel, you know? Amen, brother. But there's so many people that don't. And uh, it's, it's more than that. But um, every nation that has stood against Israel has vanished 
And I'm not talking about just like uh, small nations, like these little insignificant. I'm talking world superpowers. Egypt. There's definitely some in, in um, I can't remember now, but like there, can't remember specifics, but there are like like moments in like the Old Testament that like stood against it, and then like wiped out. Scripture like talks about like the bloodline, like ended. Yep, yep. So Egypt right now is full of Arabs. It is no longer Egypt of, of the past. The original Egyptians that that line has been wiped out. Egypt as we know it is way different than the Egypt of the past. Wiped out. Assyria. There is no Assyria today. Wiped out. Babylon. We don't have a Babylon today. Wiped out. Philistines. Gone. Um, um, the Greeks. You know, there's still Greek culture that speaks to us today. You know, all this stuff. But the Greece that we have today is not the same Greece as in the past. Gone. Rome. Rome is gone. The people, Rome is a tourist city now. It is not occupied by the line of Romans that survived. It's gone. Every nation that has stood against Israel has fallen. And these are world superpowers. I mean, Rome, when you read about the, the height of the Roman Empire, it was massive. And how did it implode? They didn't have another army come against them. It imploded from the inside. And I fear that as we've progressed in America, I'll, I'll say this part, but before I get into this part, I'll just say... Although America politically stands with Israel, most of our nation has turned its back against Israel. In 2021, um, the rise of anti-Semitism across America <coughs> spiked. It went up almost 35%. Um, the Jewish population in America is only 2% of the entire population. Yet the FBI says that the Jewish people are the, tar the highest targeted people group of religious attacks in the whole nation. Think about that. 2% of our population. There's a much larger Christian population. I just want to add a note of, like, I don't even think that we politically support Israel when we look at our support of nations like Iran, mm -hmm. which have very clearly spoken of their hatred not only for Israel, but also for America. Yep. <laughs> Somehow, yep. there's lots of support, financial support, yeah. weapons, all kinds of things. And so, I don't even think politically um, America supports Israel. I think there's saying that you do, but then all of our actions show the exact opposite. That's right. So I just wanted to that's right. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's, I think, something that needs to be talked about. Um, but like you said, countries like Iran lump us together. Israel and the United States. Exactly. Death to Israel, death to the United States. So somehow we're still in bed with them. But like I said, I think we are moving away from that. Um, so this was 2021. The, the rise of these random attacks came up. There's an attack in Pittsburgh at a Jewish synagogue, like 11 people shot dead. And the, the shooter was specifically spouting that the Jews were dogs and deserved to be put down. You know, um, spewing the same things that Martin Luther talked about. Um, there's, there's been a whole bunch of other ones. I, I want you to research it yourself because um, I could sit here and give you each one of them. But it's happening all across the United States. And it specifically spikes whenever Hamas attacks Israel or Israel attacks Hamas. Yeah. Every time that happens, it causes the United States to go into an uproar. Well, part of that is because we live in a social media culture mm -hmm. where 
we get the news quick and instantly, and we all feel forced to take aside from the information we're presented right in front of our face as if that's the full truth. And let me tell you, the things you see on social media, you've got, you've got to look into it. You've got to research it. Just this past week or two weeks ago, there was a, a report that um, Israel bombed a hospital. That over, uh, it was, I think the death numbers were reported by like 700 to 1,000 people. I mean, and this start, it went on all the major news sites. CNN, Fox News, ABC, NBC, all of them, New York Times, they were all talking about how Israel targeted this hospital and killed all these people. Um, Hamas is very well known. They're cowards. They're, they're freaking cowards. They set up their bases under churches, under hospitals, under schools, so that in, right, if and when Israel wants to attack them, they have to attack these places. It's a setup. And they have like huge munition storages there. You can see there's plenty of video evidence where Israel will uh, do a bomb strike on a certain area and there will be an initial explosion and then a following explosion where the munitions ignite. Right? So anyway, this, this report came out about this hospital being bombed. They had video that came out of the, the hospital people standing outside and all these people in body bags. And come to find out, there are people that took pictures of the hospital still standing. There's pictures of the where, where the bomb actually hit was the parking lot beside the hospital. Um, and it wasn't even Israel's bomb. It wasn't even a rocket from Israel. There is video evidence of the Hamas shooting a rocket from within Israel. The rocket is headed this way towards Israel. And then it... It, it glitched. It had a problem. I don't know how these rockets work. Within Gaza. Yeah. Yeah, within Gaza. Major. The Sorry. bomb came from Gaza and malfunctioned. Right. Right. Israel? Sorry. Yeah. So from from <clears throat> Gaza, Hamas fired a rocket. It went into the air. It started heading for Israel, and then it spazzed out, and it went the exact opposite way, and just happened to hit this parking lot right beside this hospital. Um, a minute after the bomb, like only a couple minutes after the bomb hit. Uh, Hamas was the one that said, there's thousands dead and this hospital's been destroyed. Israel's attacking us? And said that Israel attacked them. Israel, their defense people, went, took a whole day to bring up all the evidence. They had phone calls from Hamas <laughs> people. They had video evidence. They, they, they had yeah. pictures, <laughs> pictures of the craters that happen when Israel hits airstrikes. They're massive craters. I mean, it looks like a freaking asteroid. And then they showed the Hamas rocket, and it, like, there's a little spot in the parking lot. And they're like, this was obviously Hamas. And this is not a new thing. Hamas has been firing rockets at Israel for years. I mean, probably the last 10, 20 years. And like a huge majority of the rockets end up hitting innocent people in their own country because Hamas is not as intelligent or... Like as sophisticated in an army, they're, they're a terrorist group. They're out there. Um, what did you say? They out there. They out there. There was even a like a newspaper article that came out and got redacted the, the same day, mm-hmm. and it was like uh, uh, the Israel Israel God, the God that um, confuses our missiles, or like re. They were like saying that God 
change the direction of the missile in midair. So it's like right. they knew too. Right. They, it's just, <clears throat> you know, there's a, another thing this week where they uh, claimed a, a bomb hit a church and over 500 were killed instantly. When I saw that, I was like, oh, my heart sunk because I thought, man, like I know Israel is bombing them. And un- unfortunately, this is a war and there's going to be casualties and it sucks. Nobody wins in war. Absolutely nobody wins in war. Sometimes that's all you can do, you know. Um, unfortunately, come Lord Jesus, Maranatha is what we have to cry. But I saw that report and I was, my heart sank. 500 people dead and Christians because it was a church, a, a, a Palestinian church. Come to find out, like, it, it still sucks. 18 people died. And the bomb hit away from the church and it just hit side of the building and took a side of the building out. 18 people still died. That is not fun. But you've got to understand, Hamas is fighting a, a, a social media war. And it's not just Hamas. It's, it, there is a... Uh, Islam is behind a lot of this. And the, the big heads in Islam, they, they want Israel to be um, outed. And they want the public to feel, to turn against uh, Israel. If they can get the public to turn against Israel, then, you know, it's on. They can do whatever they want. Go ahead. So I don't know how true this is, uh-huh. but something I came across yesterday is that um, while we in the United States have freedom of speech, uh-huh. there are uh, a, I think it's like, it might be as much as like 20, it might be, it might be like half. Yeah. But apparently there are some states that have like actual laws that say you can't actually like speak ill of like Israel or the Israeli government. Like in America? Yeah. Yeah, Florida just signed a bill this past year where you can't speak ill about Israel. And oh, that okay. it, it's, uh, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's wild that you can talk ill about like our, our like leaders here in America, but you can't do it about yeah. other governments. Yeah. That's, that's wild. Yeah. It is interesting. It is interesting. Um, no, I wouldn't speak either. All of them of my own accord, not right. because I'm being forced to. And then also, whatever administration is is making mm-hmm. such laws and they're not struck down as unconstitutional when there is one that comes into power that is being moving into crazy or whatever, right? Yeah. And then they might. Yeah. That's just that's just bad stuff. But back to yeah. what you were saying though, just a second, guys. I don't know if you already mentioned this, um, that Israel has been. Um, sending warnings to the Gazans. I don't know if you're going to mention that or not. not. But yeah. ahead of time, if they if they're planning to bomb or something, drop some sort of, you know, projectile where civilians will be, they send warnings ahead of time to tell them to flee the area and where to flee to, how to flee, so that they won't be harmed. Yeah. But then Hamas is stopping the people from evacuating whatever those areas are and telling them like no the warnings are false or whatever the case may be but Israel is making every effort to ensure that no civilians are harmed yes whether or not that's able to happen is yeah yeah you this is where uh you know in church when I like I teach you guys don't just trust what I say if you all you do is just listen to what I say then you're not going to be a powerful person Because you don't know how to decipher truth for yourself. Mm -hmm. I want you to take everything I say and go read your Bible, take it to the Lord and challenge it. Rip me apart, please. Because I don't want you to just follow me. I'm a fallible man. You know what I mean? I say the same thing with 
the news? Do you really think the news is telling you everything that's going on there? And do you really think that they're going to have the inside scoop as to what's going on? Like, no, no, there is a purpose in it. And, you know, like you might think I'm putting on my tinfoil hat and whatnot. I'm just telling you, there's false news. There's, there's people who are lying for their own gain everywhere. And we as Christians have to be stronger than that. We have to take these little articles that come up every now and again and test it. You know, obviously we can't test it against scripture because it's like real news that's happening. But Some of test it. Some of it is prophecy, yeah. But test it against like what's actually happening. The, and the beautiful thing now is that we live in a, a world where Twitter exists and there's all kinds of news. So you can, you can, the, it's X. a hard X, sorry. The hard part. <laughs> you're going to see video, videos that come up that, you know, uh, is going to say one thing, but you, you can, other people will have seen that video and go, that video is from like six years ago. You know, then they're trying to resurface it and reuse it as this or that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, but it, it requires, it requires you to be uh, not a sheep. Yeah. To be, uh, what is a, wise as doves. Serpent. Wise as serpents. Gentle as doves and wise as serpents. Jesus tells us that. Be wise. Don't just take everything you see and uh, understand that we live in a spiritual world. There, there is a spiritual battle going on, even more so than this earthly battle that's right in front of our face. You might get to this, but I wanted to at least bring it up for my sake or other people's sake. Something that I'm experiencing is I have friends that are Palestinian. Mm-hmm. Like I have friends that are half Palestinian. They live in the States. And they have family that lives in Gaza. And they are saying that what Israel is doing is genocide. And they're very upset, obviously, with Israel. So how do you, as a Christian, still support Israel in a way, but also support your friends who have family that is getting killed, whether they know it's from Hamas or Israel? I just feel like there's a lot of like nuance and tact, yep. but I ultimately want to be loving. And That's right. What does love look like in this right. situation for my friends who are saying, you can't support Israel, right. but my allegiance as a believer, I feel like, is with Israel because that's God's chosen people. Right. But I also know that the Israelis are fallible, and not every one of them believes mm-hmm. in God of the Bible, and like not everyone believes Jesus is Messiah. So yeah. I'm like, it just feels like kind of complicated. Yeah. Sort of similar with other protests or human rights things that go on. Yeah. I feel complicated. Yeah. It feels complicated. It's very complicated. It's so complicated because nobody talks about it in church. Yeah, we haven't been trained in. Remember my big thick book of Israelology. We we haven't been trained in that. You know this this hasn't been a big part of the agenda for the church. Why? Because it's polarizing and it doesn't get butts and seats. So, um, but here here's I, I'll answer that as best I can. I don't believe I have the, all the best answers, but this is the best thing I I know to do. Is number one, if you have somebody who is Palestinian or a sympathizer with Palestine. Look, here's the thing. Palestine's undergone a lot of hardship too. Yeah. Just because there's a bad thing going on with Israel doesn't mean we just say, well, Israel's being attacked, so Palestine sucks, and just yeah. disregard everything bad that's happened to them. In 1940, 
eight, when Israel became a nation again, um, Israel had, this is only three years after World War II. They were dispersed up in Europe, and it came about that Britain was occupying Palestine. Um, and they said, we got to get the Jews out of here, because <laughs> there, there's so many of them. They need to have their own country, so they proposed a split. Sorry, I just want to add a point of clarification. At that, yes, it's called Palestine, but that's the entirety of the Israel like country. So the land the that's Holy Israel land. and considered, and also Palestine, that all was called Palestine. Yeah. So it wasn't called Israel at that right. time. Yeah. It was called so Palestine. So just, just yeah, because yeah. right now you've got like these two little areas that are considered Palestine, right. but really it was more than that. It was the entirety of Israel. And there was a mandated area, like Ariel saying, that was Palestine. And Britain was in control of it. And they, they said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to split it in half. Palestine gets half, and the Jewish people get half. Well, Israel's like, okay, we vote yes, because they had nowhere to go. They were spread across the entire earth. Um, and all the Arab nations said, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And the really messed up part that nobody wants to talk about is that Palestine is an Arab nation and none of the Arab nations will take in their refugees. So after, um, after this happened and Israel came down, there was a war and Israel uh, declared their independence. They won the war and Israel became a nation. Like I said, nobody wins a war. 600, over 600,000 Palestinian families were displaced from their homes. And they had, they had nowhere to go. And so they were forced into the, the area of Palestine, but it was overpopulated. Um, and like I said, none of the other Arab nations would take them in. Why? Because they're a bargaining tool. That's, that's the real messed up part about this, is that Palestine has been set up to be leveraged for the, the Muslim nations to make Israel out to be the bad guy. Well, Israel won't... Take it. This is it, Palestine's land. Let me ask you this. If Palestine, or if Israel became Palestine, do you think all those Palestinians would have homes? <laughs> no. Palestine, or Israel is the size of Vermont. Then there's, a, the problem is there's a huge population of people in this tiny condensed area that have nowhere to go. And they're stuck. And so, um, anyway, it, and Israel's, I mean, the, the Jews, there's a ton of Jews. And they're all over the world still to this day because there's not space in Israel. Mm -hmm. Right? So um, back to your answering your question is we have to have sympathy on the entire thing. Just because somebody believes like that uh, Palestine is being um, completely put under a genocide, which is not happening um, by Israel, we don't have to go into that conversation correcting or making them see the truth right off the bat. Number one, first and foremost, we, we empathize and we hurt with those who hurt. We mourn with those who are mourning. Um, we get down low and we start to serve them as best we can. Um, one thing that's happening in the Middle East is that, um, you know, we've talked about this a lot, that Jesus is revealing himself to Islamic people. And one of the instantaneous fruits of the Islamic people when they become a, a believer is that they end up having a love for Israel. Unprovoked. Not like somebody taught them, you need to love Israel. Unprovoked, they see the, the God's plan for Israel from the scripture and they see the wrong that's happening. 
because they've been on the opposite side <laughs> and they go, wow, I have to like pray for my brothers and my sisters. I have to pray for this land because this is God's chosen people. And they realize that if God doesn't fulfill his promises for Israel, then he'll never fulfill his promises for any of us because we can't trust him. He's a liar at that point. Um, God is not a liar. He's not. So he will fulfill his promises to Israel and he will fulfill his promises to us. So anyway, um, I think serving those people as best we can and um, loving them is the best thing we can do and introducing them to Jesus because Jesus is really the only thing that can help somebody see uh, the wrong of their something that they've believed for so long. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, when I was in my unbelieving state, you know, you could tell me all day long that drinking was a sin, and I don't care. Right. But it was the conviction of the Holy Spirit that led me to change. And so the conviction of the Holy Spirit is really the only thing that's... No matter how much truth you share with somebody who's, uh, like, pro-Palestinian... I'm not saying that they won't change, but it is very difficult. In my case, my friends are already Palestinian Christians. Right. So right. it just feels... It's messy. I... I think it's also like important to note that I think is the head of um, the like the federal government in Palestine, if you will. But the Palestinian people, the Gaza people, have been suffering yeah. under Hamas as well because they over for you know for years since they've been in mm-hmm. in power that they have even slaughtered their own people, mm-hmm. yeah. and so their behavior in this in in sort of um, being willing to allow their own people to be harmed by this war, particularly more than would be necessary, if you will, is not something new yeah. that they've been suffering to. So it's, when I think about that, it's like not everybody that's in Palestine or in Gaza is in support of Hamas, but right. these are these are people that are victims of this um, of this organization as well, and that's just sort of continuing. Yeah. Even now, and so when I think about like your friend who is, um, you know, Palestinian, and, and not, I mean, not that there's necessarily something to say, um, but it's like we're also praying for the Palestinian people, yeah. we're praying for all of the people that are touched by this because there are a lot of people that want nothing to do with it, yeah, and it's not up to them, yeah. they are just now stuck mm-hmm. in Gaza or they're stuck under Hamas or they're, whatever, they're being kidnaps themselves and murdered and all kinds of horrible things as well. So yeah. the humanitarian aid that goes to uh, Palestine, none of those people see it, unfortunately. It goes straight to Hamas, the governing body who's been voted in place, and they buy weapons. I mean, they might do a little bit of stuff, but they, they don't take care of their people. I'm not. I'm not a big fan well, of yours, Morgan. Okay. Well, I was gonna say. I think Erica was next. Oh. If you, yeah. Um, you had, yeah. Yeah. So the way I see it is, I'm just as a background. I'm yeah. mostly anti-government. Right. A lot of the time. Right. Because yeah. governments are just kind of lying to people all the time. Yeah. Um, so for me personally, it's the Israeli government might may or may not be doing what's in the best interest of Israel. 
just like the United States government may or may not be doing what's mm -hmm. in the best. We elect officials because we think, yeah. you know, we want them to represent us, and then they go do what they want to do. Right. So, like, for me, government against government, it's not the same as people against mm -hmm. people. That's right. Um, so, saying that I'm frustrated with, you know, what Israel is accused of doing is, what I mean is the Israel government. Sure. Not the people of Israel, because the Bible describes Israel as specifically the Jewish people and not just anybody living in the country. Right. Yeah. That's right. So I think it's important to note that for me personally, it's, you know, I'm frustrated with what Hamas is doing. I'm frustrated, you know, because they're being accused of doing things. Somebody else is being accused of doing yeah. things. And because we're not there, we haven't lived in the nuance. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. There's a lot of things that we just don't understand. Yeah. So I'm like I'm hesitant to say like whether it is or isn't a genocide. Like I don't know if I was experiencing something horrific, I would call it something horrific. Yeah, you know? sure, sure. So like for me, it's how do we help innocent people while condemning violence people. against right. innocent people? Yeah. yeah, because I fall. I think I know spoke to a lot of you about this. I fall a lot left of center when yeah. it comes to a lot of issues so it feels like like i'm on the other side of the coin where i'm like right. i don't know israel looks like they're doing some kind of shady stuff right. and i don't really like it yeah um but that's not the jewish people that's, right. that's doing it that's right. the government yeah so i think it's because like i would not consider you know when people accuse americans of being terrible right. it's not all americans it's the american government mostly right, right. so for me, it's separating the idea of the people from the government. That's right. Yeah. It's an extremely important distinction to make. Mm -hmm. Romans 9 through 11, Paul talks about how not all Israel is Israel. And just because you're ethnic Israel doesn't mean you are religious Israel, if that makes it's sense. There's, like there's, there's two parts. There's two parts. And that's what gets so hard with all the anti-Semitism is that not only do people hate them because of their religion, but also because of their race. So you can kind of get it both ways, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, exactly. Like, I'm not saying that I agree with everything that Israel's government does. And I don't think that they, you know, follow, like, the biblical structure for government. Like you said, um, I pray daily that this war would stop. That I, I don't want war. I don't want that. Um, you know, the, the, the thing that I'm seeing, this maybe will shine a little more light, is that Nothing was happening, and then all of a sudden, 1,500 people were killed, massacred in Israel. That's the death toll at, at this point. And 100 were kidnapped. And not only were they Israelites, Israelites but there was that uh, festival that happened. Mm -hmm. um, that was like a, a peace raid. It was supposed to be about peace. Um, one of the first videos I saw was this uh, girl in the back of a, a truck, and... She obviously was dead. There were a bunch of um, Hamas soldiers sitting on the back of the truck celebrating with her dead body. And you could tell who it was because she had these really specific tattoos on her body. And they found her from, on Instagram. She's from Germany. She was a white girl. She, you know, she was just there you know, raving and partying and having a good time. And it, that, I think, is very telling of what the big issue is, is that Hamas... It's not only that they hate Israel, they hate like, anybody who's not Hamas. If anybody's committing genocide, they came in to Israel straight up and massacred people 
without asking questions, without you know anything, they just started massacring people unprovoked. You know, um, and I, I guess unprovoked probably isn't a fair statement because there's been a war going on since the forties. Mm -hmm. I was going to say there's been struggle over the land since for God said move to this land and kick the people out and like. That's right. Does that not seem like genocide in the Bible? Sure. <laughs> well, if, I just, I have, if you consider the people that we were that were taken out of the land, I mean, if you really look into what those people were, I'm I'm not that upset about it. They were sacrificing children. Yeah. They were really awful people. Yeah. And so the problem I have right now is I, I I see everything about a lot of people are like free Palestine, free this, free that, and they want to and they want to ceasefire. Right. The problem is the sad fact is that I don't think there will ever be a ceasefire until Hamas is done. Yeah. Hamas, not right. the Palestinian people. Because Hamas, and then I see like gays for Palestine, gays for, and it's like these people hate everyone. Yeah. Everyone except Muslim people yeah. or uh, Hamas yeah. uh, operatives. Right. So that's the sad fact of the matter, I think, is that there won't be peace yeah. if Hamas is still functioning. And then, well, and that's part of their charter is that they are not going to stop until Israel no longer exists and mm -hmm. all Jews have been Neutralized. murdered um, or annihilated. And like that's that is a part of sort of like their creed, if you will, that mm -hmm. something that they've committed to. So if they stick with that, then yes, it's not going to stop until they succeed in that because they have been vocal about it. And I say that, but I'm literally talking about the organization. Mm -hmm. So these are people that know that this is what the goal is. And I said, yes, I agree with this and I want to be a part of this organization. So I'm not just talking about like, you know, just sort of a general group of people, specifically right. the people that are in this organization and even support them. Mm -hmm. Even if I don't know if there's like some sort of initiation process to get in or whatever, but like, Supporting them, they're like, yes, they're doing a righteous thing. Mm -hmm. yes. The sad thing is that there's also a huge military imbalance. I mean, Israel's military is far superior to Hamas's, some Hamas's uh, military. So a lot of people will be that the people that are shouting out um, genocide are just seeing it because Hamas is poking poking the bear, and then when they are they retaliate, it's like, oh, Israel's this awful people because they have all these superpowers. But what can you? Are you just going to sit there and let them attack, let them attack you because you have such a high military? So yeah, and the you know definition for genocide, we got to remember, genocide just gets thrown around buzzword. I mean, I, I'm not saying that there aren't genocides that happen. Um, there are. There's the German genocide against the Jews um, in Russia after all this in the I think it was like the 50s to the 60s or 70s or something like that. There's a much lesser known Holocaust where over 20 million people were killed. Um, and um, there's a lot of <coughs> writing about that. And it's just, it's awful to see. Those are genocides. But what is the nature of that? Like, the Germans went in in the nighttime and ripped people from their homes. And they had no option. If you were Jewish, or not only were you Jewish, if you were homosexual, if you were. Um, didn't match their, their description of the perfect race. It was all based on eugenics, this new scientific discovery of building the master race. So if you didn't match up, you, you didn't make it. They're, they're, that's genocide. That's wiping people out. So Israel right now, the reason I would say it's not a genocide is that if Israel wanted to, they could wipe Palestine off the map in like a couple days. They have the military capabilities. We've seen it on video and all that stuff. 
They have not. This, this war could have ended 10, 15 years ago. Uh, it just it hasn't because Israel isn't going to do that. Um, their concern very much is for the Palestinians. And they've shown it in many actions. One, Gaza used to be a part of Israel. But Gaza, they, everyone in Israel back in 2005 went in and forcefully removed their own people. Forcefully removed, meaning kicking them out of their homes. Ripping their own people from their homes in order that the Palestinian people would have a place to go. So, that's one thing. Number two, um, right now with everything going on, you know, they've been threatening a ground invasion into Gaza for the last like two weeks, three weeks now, how, since whenever it started. And they haven't gone in yet because their concern is that there's innocent people still there. And so they've had planes flying overhead, dropping like scrolls for people to open up the scrolls. It says like, get out. Like, we don't want innocent civilians to die. Um, and like Ariel brought up earlier, Hamas is telling these people you have to stay. They're, they're using them as human shields, which is just their, their thing, you know. The, the biggest problem, this is where we have to get kind of meta with it all, is that, so what happens when Hamas gets wiped out? Is that at the end? Everybody's happy? No. No. Because Hamas is such a small blip. Hamas is the equivalent of like a bunch of like rednecks, you know, firing off, got their hands on a bunch of rockets. To fire up of the I'm, I'm serious. It, that, that's really what it's like. They're going against um, Israel, and they they don't have the military capabilities to take on Israel. It's really there's a there's a thing behind the scenes. Iran and Turkey are two of the biggest players going on. Turkey uh, just two years ago, they took over uh, the Hagia Sophia, which you know I don't know if you guys knew, but there's still people in the Middle East taking over land and moving the borders around. You know, I thought that only happened back in like the however long ago, but it's still happening. Turkey took over this Christian church, the oldest, one of the oldest Christian churches in the world, the Hagia Sophia, and turned it into a mosque. And that, like a couple days later, they had a uh, celebration in front of it saying that they weren't going to stop until they got to the Al-Aqsa Mosque uh, and reclaimed it for uh, Islam. Al-Aqsa is the, the Temple Mount. The Dome of the Rock, which uh, the Jews believe is a holy site because that's where the first tabernacle, the first Holy of Holies was. So that's why they, it's a religious site. The, the, Islam, the Muslim believers have already said that they want to go in, that they're going to march and they're not going to stop until they get to Al-Aqsa. So all the things that Hamas is doing right now is fully funded by other bigger uh, Arabic countries and Islamic countries. Um, so I want to kind of reel it back, you know, because we should be at, like, questions we're asking right now, everybody's asking and bringing up, are good questions. And I'm not trying to shut down anybody, and I'm not trying to dictate to you guys what's happening. You guys are smart people. I'm going to say it again and again and again. I can be wrong. Go study this for yourself. Go look it up. Like, the truth will be seen. That You will find truth when you look for it. Um, for us as believers, there is a supernatural war going on. And this is the thing that I'll end with, um, is this supernatural war that's going on. Um, let's pull up our Bibles just because I think it's fun. Deuteronomy chapter 32. 
say, Euronomy? What did you do? Deuteronomy what? Uh, 32. What verse, yeah? We're going to read verse um, 7 and 8, but before we read it, uh, or sorry, 7 through 9, but before we read it, I'm going to give just a little context. So here, I'm going to, I don't know if you guys know, there's a large population of uh, Christian uh, theologians that are theologians. They study the Bible all day. Um, a lot of the things that theologians believe don't make it to the church. Why? Because they think it's too complicated for most people to understand. Um, I don't know, it kind of reminds me of the Catholic Church when the Catholic Church for a long time didn't give anybody a copy of the Bible because they didn't trust them to read it on their own. So if you wanted to hear a Bible verse, you had to go listen to the priest and gatekeeping and withholding. Um, a lot of the, the scholarly world, it's not intentional, you know, gatekeeping, but it's because our, our churches most of the time are uh, seeker-friendly. We're, we're just looking for a good message to feel good. I'm going to give you a peek into what the majority of the scholarly world believes. Um, this thing called the uh, Deuteronomy 32 worldview. Um, so, uh, Josh, you want to read verses 7 through 9? Yeah. Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father, and he will show you. Your elders, and they will tell you. When the Most High gave to the nation their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. But the, the Lord's portion is his, father, is his people. Jacob, his allotted heritage. Okay, cool. All right. So this is referencing a story in, the in Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel. So if anybody remembers the Tower of Babel, the peoples of the world came together. They had one language and were of one mind. And they said, let's build a, a tower to reach to the heavens. And when you read it, you just go, oh, well, they're just building. You know, it seems pretty innocent. But um, in that time, building a tower like that was um, basically saying, we want to be like God. It was very religious to have the tallest building or be on the highest mountain. There's a lot of things that talk about this, this idea that the divine rested at the top of these buildings. And the, the higher you were, the higher you ranked, you know. And so that's when God walks down and says, look at the people. They're all of one accord and one voice. Meaning, anything they put their minds to, they're going to be able to do it. I, I used to have a real problem with this verse because then God says, let's strike them with languages. You know, and it's like, well, if they could do anything, why would you want to stop them? It's a, it was an act of mercy, really. Because what they were trying to do was take the place of God. Um, they were under influence from a different area, just like Adam and Eve were. Mm -hmm. um, and just like... Uh, God warned Cain after he, he uh, before he killed Abel. He said, Be, "Beware, sin is crouching out your door, waiting to devour you." That doesn't sound like just this thing we end up doing. That sounds like it's a being, like it's a a person. Um, and so, here in this Deuteronomy thirty two chapter, it talks about when the Most High, <clears throat> Most High is Yahweh, God Almighty, gave the nations their inheritance. He separated the sons of man. 
He set the boundaries of the peoples according to the number of the children of Israel. That, that's my version. Your version says the sons of God, which is a better translation. Um, yeah, good. <laughs> well done. Now, the, a lot of people get stumbled on this, but the word there for sons of God is bene Elohim. Um, and it's referring to God's, this thing called the divine council. That God sits in the presence of other gods, lowercase gods. I mean, they're not actual gods, but they're beings that he created. Psalm 82. Can we flip there really quick? Your, your inner Michael Heiser's coming up. I know, I know. <laughs> I swear I'm going somewhere with this. I'm not just flexing something. I'm painting a picture that's much bigger. Psalm 82. Verse 1. God stands among the divine council. He renders judgment among the gods. And yeah, Angel brought up this guy, Michael Heiser. Michael Heiser is a guy that really made this a public knowledge thing rather than just a scholarly idea. It, it wasn't a new idea. It was something that many scholars had believed for a long time, and he just made it more accessible. Were you going to say something, Dick? Oh, okay. Sorry. You, you opened your mouth like you were going to say something. So if we read it for what it says, it says that God stands among the divine council. He renders judgment amongst the gods. It's Elohim and Elohim. One's capital Elohim. The word Elohim is a plural word in the, the second usage for the gods. So here's the idea. At Babylon, because the people were disobedient, there was a spiritual battle that was going on. The rebellion of the sons of God. And God basically said, I'm going to separate the nations of the earth and give them the uh, to, over to these divine beings. Each divine being will stand over a different area. Paul talks about this in Ephesians when he says there are uh, powers and principalities. And I think we've, we've read that verse before, Ephesians 6. Um, and rulers of the, the air, that there's this spiritual hierarchy of stuff in the, in the, in the supernatural. Um, and so God has given the, the sons of God, these created beings, created divine beings, basically rulership over the nations. And then it says that God himself, in verse uh, 9, the Lord's proportion is his people. Jacob, or Israel, is the allotment of his inheritance. So God has chosen for himself a people, Israel. And you might think, well, that's just, uh, why'd they get chosen? You know, lucky. I wish I got to be a chosen person of God. <laughs> that is not the best thing because these people undergo extreme discipline from God. Because if they are to be representing God on the earth, God can't have them misrepresenting him. So when I read this whole history of Israel and the, the Jewish people from the past, you see this rise to a nation and then they uh, get conquered and then they get dispersed amongst the nations and then they come back and then they get dispersed again and then they come back and then they get dispersed again. This isn't just random and it, it's very intentional and there's always a remnant. I brought that up earlier. There's always a remnant of a few. And so um, I'm sharing this because I want you to see 
that this battle is not just between flesh and blood, but with rulers and powers and principalities and evil forces behind the scenes. And there are certain sons of God or angels, divine beings, that are set over different nations. And cities. And cities. And there's a... Uh, there. How does that interact with human beings? Well, it's the same thing with God. You know, God asks his people to be a part of the covenant with him. He asks them to uh, do certain things that, you know, make them part of that, that covenant with him. So for the Jews, circumcision was a huge thing. You know, if you were circumcised, that, that was a sign that you were a true Jew. And circumcision existed throughout the whole world, but for Jews, it was their symbol to say, I am part with God. I identify as God's people. Right, and so uh, following his commandments, the whole the Mosaic law. Uh, Ronnie actually put a good post this morning. I'm glad I saw it on Facebook um, before getting here. He was like, "It's really interesting that Jewish people today believe that through following the law or the Mosaic law that they'll achieve salvation, because that was never the case before uh, they even got the law. God saved them out of Egypt. Then He gave them the law." The law was given to make them a, a, a people that stands apart from the rest of the world. It was a code. It was a, a way of identifying that you were God's people because you, what have we read in John chapter 13 through 15 so far? If you love me, keep my commandments. That's not talking about your salvation. You know, you're, you're saved. You're part. If you're part of me, you'll do the things that I ask you to do. You'll be a part of it, you know? And so... Um, I'm, I'm bringing all that up to just say that there is a supernatural battle going on and while yes there is a lot of things that Israel does that is not good I, I'm right there I, I, I see it and uh, I don't want them to be in this war I don't want them to advance if they don't have to you know I, I want Jesus to come back and bring peace today because honestly I think that's the only way they're ever going to experience peace this battle's been going on for a long time. Um, but the, where we stand with Israel says a lot about what we believe about the gospel. And um, I've talked about this before. Replacement theology is huge that um, the people of Israel, God's done with Israel because they were so wicked and so disobedient that, you know, uh, he, he had to get rid of them. And that's why he brought along the church. But Paul talks about the church provoking the Israelites to jealousy. Which means that we get to experience spiritual blessings from God because we obey him and we're part of his people. And that should make the Jews jealous. And there's a distinction between the word jealous and envious. Jealous is, you know, being jealous of something that really belongs to you. Envious is wanting something that doesn't belong to you. So, uh, you know, if I'm, if I'm looking at another man's wife, this is a horrible example, but if I'm looking at another man's wife and I want her, that I'm envious. I'm not jealous because I envy what he has. You're going to get yourself in trouble here. Jealous would be, you know, seeing my wife talk to another man, not even in a bad way, just a normal way, and me being like, she's mine. Like, she belongs to me. 
God is a jealous God. He's never envious. He's jealous. He wants what what is his. And so uh, Paul talks about our goal as Christians in experiencing these blessings is that we would make the Jews jealous. That way some of them could be saved. Paul himself said, I would give my life for the Jews to come back in. And so when I say let's have a love for the people of Israel, I don't mean we just excuse all the evil they do, you know, and everything they do is good because they're God's chosen people. False. They do a lot of evil. They do a lot of bad things. Um, But I'm going to love them with a deep, convicted love and pray for them because they are God's people. God wants them, and I'm going to partner with God, which is what we've been talking about for the last year, of partnering with him um, and what he wants. He wants the Israelite people, believe it or not, which should be, uh, an, um, it should be encouraging to us. You know, God, when God chose Israel, he chose them because they were the worst nation on the earth. Jacob, when he talks about Jacob, he was not a great guy. (laughs) Jacob was a a shysty card salesman, you know. That's the kind of dude he was. Um, God chose his people. Why? To prove his might. To prove, if God could do it with Israel, then he could do it with anyone. And if God wants Israel, then he probably wants the rest of us too. And so, and we just owe a lot to the Jewish people. I mean, the book, the, the Bible is written by 40 authors and 39 of them are Jewish. Jesus came to earth, the God incarnate, and decided to come as a Jewish person. Um, one day he's going to come back and set up his throne. And uh, he's going to have a new family with this new olive tree where it's Jews and Gentiles alike that are part of his family, and he's going to bring in a new city, and he's going to rule in that new city. And what's that city called? The New Jerusalem. He's Jewish through and through. And so we have to be careful of, if we know the spiritual battle is going on, if we know that God cares about Jerusalem, then we also need to know that the enemy hates Jerusalem. The enemy hates the Jewish people. If God said, I'm going to bless the nations of the earth through the Jewish people, then wouldn't you think the enemy would try to make the Jewish people look awful so nobody would want to be a part with them? Yeah. I mean, it just, it's it's common sense when you read scripture. It's messy when we look at it in real life because there's real life scenarios going on. And um, once again, I'm not calling for us to blindly support Israel in everything they do. Because well, and love doesn't do that anyway. That's like, not love. Love does not just ignore that's wrongdoing right. and right. injustice on behalf of you know the the one that you love. You, I mean, part of that is really calling that out and rejoicing in what is good. Yeah. Um, but definitely not rejoicing or ignoring right. what is evil. Yeah. True love. Uh, Hebrews, when we went through that study, talks about um, that. Any son that doesn't endure discipline from the father is not a legitimate son. We're illegitimate sons. And so true love is discipline in a lot of ways. It's, it's not just allowing bad things. It's, you know, we got to work through this. You were wrong. Conviction of the Holy Spirit is huge. 
Um, so, and the, there is a, a huge, uh, there's a lot of Palestinian Christians, you know. If we just supported Ju- uh, Judaism and Jewish people blindly and said, screw everybody else that stands against them, we're going to have another, like, probably the Palestinians would end up being massacred, you know. I, it's a complicated subject. This is why we're talking about it. Um, and I wanted to start the conversation, and I wanted to help you see biblically why it's important that God loves Israel, and he loves the rest of the world. And there's so much in the Bible that talks about how this, this whole thing we get to experience. Do you realize how lucky we are that God would choose to come to us? Because when you look at it, God really made his commitment at first to the the, uh, Jews. He didn't make a commitment to the rest of us. But he wanted us. And now we get to experience the spiritual blessings that the Jews were meant to experience because of their rejection. And so Paul says, you know, bless them. Paul even in Romans 15 says, give them money. If we get to experience spiritual blessing from them, the least we can do is financially bless them <laughs> just for what they've given to us. And uh, so it's this, we, we have so much that we are indebted to um, the Jewish people for. And like it talks about, we are, gra- we are branches grafted into this olive tree of God's family because a, 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 another branch was removed. A Jewish branch was removed. That's that's the reality of this. Dick, were you going to say something? Yeah, yeah. a couple of things. One is uh, this is nothing new. Yeah. Uh, you, you may not have been alive when I'm watched. I'm The PLO, Palestinian Liberation Organization. That was back when I was. 20, yeah. my 20s. And so that was, that was before Hamas and Hezbollah. Right. And so it's been going on. The thing that I think that is important that uh, if we're new creatures, we need to behave like new creatures. Uh, the old creature picks sides. Yeah. You know, picks sides yeah. during the Civil War, picks sides over abortion, yeah. picks sides over whatever it is that's won. That's part of the old nature. Yeah. The pick size. Yeah. So we we'll pick our side. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's complicated. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a, a very good point because when Jesus comes, he eliminates the sides. You know. He eliminates that line that differentiates. We're to love all people. You know. Um, so yeah, that's so good. Does anybody else have anything they want to share? Add. Okay, I'm going to stop it there. We're probably going to talk again next week about some more things because I had a ton of notes and didn't really get to much, but I think it's because we, we haven't really gotten to talk plainly about it. And I really appreciate you guys, like, one, listening, but two, sharing. Like, we have to talk about this stuff. If we don't talk about it, you know, we're not going to get anywhere with it. And so um, I really appreciate you guys just talking and sharing um, because this is how we grow this is how we learn 
This is how we get better. Um, research it. I, I just encourage you, do your research. You know, take time. Let's take time to pray for Israel. You know, you might think, well, I'm just one person. Like, how is my prayer going to matter? Um, it does matter. Your prayer might help one family. And if it helps one family, then it was worth it. Actually, uh, Karen came over to our house. Or was it Karen? Or, no, it was Miss um, Dixon, Marsha. Uh, came over to our house last night to bring us dinner. Super nice. And she was sharing a testimony with me about this guy, D.L. Moody, which I'm sure you've heard about D.L. Moody. He's like a Bible teacher. Um, pretty popular. But he, um, he had a, a prayer list. And on his prayer list, he had like 100 people that he prayed for almost daily. And when he died, uh, 96 of those people got saved or had been saved throughout his life after he had been praying for them. And the other four got saved at his funeral. And I I was like, man, that's pretty cool. makes me want to increase my prayer list. And I always think of that one quote, like if God was going to answer, you knew he was going to answer all the prayers you prayed for the last two weeks. How would the world look different today? I think about that one. I'm like, oh, shoot. (laughs) I don't want to just be praying for myself. You know, I want to know that my prayers matter and they can help shape like history. And not just like a religious activity. Yeah. Discipline that moves the heart of God. And it makes you fall more in love with him. Yeah. Like it doesn't just benefit the people we're praying for. It really helps your own heart to get your perspective off your own self. Onto a king who can save you and save your friends and family. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's a way we can be. We talked about you know posting the social media posts of this is me fighting injustice, and I know a lot of people have heard like people go, well I'll pray for you, and it feels like a cop out, you know, like and a lot of people do cop out, but if you actually are praying, you're doing something. You're sacrificing your time and you really pray. You're you're you know. You're laying aside your own will and desires when you actually pray what the Bible talks about, what God's plan is for Israel. When you lay down and when you start to pray more and more, you start to have more words to speak. You start to get catch the heart of God in a different way than you did before. And so us praying, and I mean actually praying, not just saying, oh yeah, I'll pray about it. It will change us. Um, and it will make a difference. And it is actively fighting injustice. That's right. Uh, the neighborhood in which I live in, uh, half of the people are Muslim. Yeah. Uh, most of them came from Bosnia. Yeah. During the Bosnian War. Mm-hmm. I've got an Israeli flag. If I hang my Israeli flag out, yeah. I have just cut off my neighbors. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that's not to say that I'm not for Israel. Right. I am totally for Israel. It's wisdom. It's wisdom. But I don't want to. I don't want to lose my neighbors just because they don't understand. Yeah. You know. Yeah. The the spiritual. Aspect yeah. Of it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. One thing I wanted to get to today, but I didn't get to, is Zechariah chapter twelve talks about God says I'm about to make Israel a stumbling block to the nations. And we wonder why, I mean, throughout history, why has Israel always been like a target of persecution? (laughs) It is unreal when you really look back at it. I mean, there are definitely other countries that experience persecution, long enduring persecution, right? You know, I'm not saying they aren't, but 
uh, Israel has for like ever, <laughs> you know, always. Why are they always the target of these things? And it's the only nation in the Middle East and North Africa that doesn't have any oil. Right. Right. God didn't want them to have any oil. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Puff them up too much. Yeah. I mean, that's if you really take your like step outside of the situation and think. Why on earth are they fighting over this piece on the map this big? New Jersey. New Jersey. I mean, it is. You start to see that there's something way deeper going on. And um, so Zechariah talks about how uh, Israel is going to be the um, a stumbling block to the nations. And uh, it's just a really interesting idea that God uses Jerusalem as a way to kind of see where people's hearts are with him. You know, will you stumble over Jerusalem? Will you, you know, or will you love Jerusalem? It's really interesting. So anyway, um, I'm probably going to end it there unless anybody has anything they want to add. Well, you know, one thing that's interesting, uh, I used to watch the news. I don't watch the news anymore because it makes me sick. Yeah. But years ago, I used to watch the news every evening when I came home from work. And Mexico City is one of the largest, 40 million people mm-hmm. in Mexico City. And there's a couple of other cities right. that are as big as Mexico City. But the city that has always been in the news is Jerusalem. Yeah. Yeah. They don't even have an airport. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. And you think, you think Mexico City with 40 million people yeah. would create more news than Jerusalem. Yep. 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 Yeah. It's just, it's divine, man. There's something going on and we have to, we cannot be ignorant. We can't afford to be ignorant at this point in time. We have to see what's actually going on behind the scenes. And Satan would like to kill all. You know, we talk about genocide. Satan wants to kill every single one of us. And our goal as Christians on the earth is to show the light of Jesus so that not one would perish. So if that, you know, you really want to talk about like social justice, you know, it, it's like do the work of the gospel. Do, God's already laid the plan out. If you do that, you know, you're going to see that you're bringing justice to the earth. So anyway, I'm going to end there. Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you for um, just the ability to have these conversations. Um, And we just bless you. We bless um, the Israelis. God, I pray that you would show yourself to them, reveal yourself to them, one of the largest unreached people groups in the world, a people that starkly reject you and oppose you, and yet you still love them, and you still have a plan for them, and you still would want to uh, perform your covenant to them. Like you promised, you said, tear me apart if I don't, you know, set them free and uh, uh, make them a people unto myself. And so we just say, remember your word, Father. Do not go back on your word. And the same, we pray for the, the Palestinians. These, there's believers, there's Islamic believers, there's uh, atheists, there's all kinds of different religions there. Um, and we don't judge them based on their ethnos. Um, but we see them through the lens of Jesus. The lens of Jesus is your arms wide open, creed with arms wide open on the cross, um, wanting to accept all, dying for every single individual. Um, 
and we are the, the, the ambassadors for you. We are your imagers, and I pray that we would be good imagers in this world, um, especially during this time, and that our love would not grow cold, but it would be set on fire, and our love would be deeper than it's ever been before. So we just, um, we just honor you, and we bless you. Um, in Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening, everybody. We hope you've been blessed by today's teaching. And as always, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Have my heart